Another Way to Play, episode 96. If you have something that people are buying right now, it's a really good time to up your ad budget, invest in growing your audience, build a warm audience, even if they're not buying right this second, because as soon as things pick up again, if you use this time right now to build a bigger list, build a bigger audience, when more people start buying again, you're going to start getting your return on investment real fast because you were willing to spend some money up front to get yourself in front of more people now while it's cheap, while it's cheap to get their attention and then follow up with them and nurture with uh, them until they're ready to buy from you, you know, when things get better. This is Tyler Basu, co-founder of Influencer Studio. And if you want to learn how to make the next chapter of your life better than the last, then you should be listening to Another Way to Play with my good friend, Hans Struzina. Welcome to Another Way to Play, your wake-up call to finally make a difference by creating a life defined by freedom. This is about entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and industry professionals that have left the 9-to-5 rat race behind by taking that personal leap from where they were to where they want to be. It's time to stop going through the motions, stop hitting the snooze button on your life, and get the insight and inspiration to make the next chapter of your life better than your last. This is Another Way to Play with your host, Hans Struzina. This is Another Way to Play. I am your host, Hans Struzina, and I believe that if you trade hours for dollars, you will never achieve true freedom in your life. Today's guest is Tyler Basu. He is a content marketing strategist that helps six and seven figure business owners create and promote content that drives qualified traffic and leads online. He's also the author of a couple of ebooks and is now hosting his third podcast. So uh, he is no stranger to creating content for himself and his business, and he is now helping others do it effectively for themselves. He started out originally uh, without a whole lot. Frankly, he talked about how he grew up in a relatively poor part of Canada and decided after just a couple of uh, courses over at college that it just wasn't for him and he had to get out into the business world and get after it. Um, Quickly, he decided he needed to learn sales and selling. So he did some door to door, got into real estate eventually. And then through the content efforts he was using to promote his own real estate practice, eventually learned content creation strategy and marketing around it and is now doing that today. So you're definitely going to want to listen up for how he started, if you're someone who's thinking about doing this for yourself, how he started and why, plus his idea of what a funnel is. Uh, He breaks it down into three distinct parts, top, middle, and bottom, but they're not the typical ones that most people think. So uh, listen up for that. And then he's also got some uh, really great advice at the end of the episode, uh, talking about what he would do if he was just starting again today. So if you get value out of this, please head over to iTunes, leave a written rating and review because it really helps me grow and gain critical feedback so I can keep making the show an even better experience and keep bringing on better guests with better content. Thank you so much to those of you who've taken a moment and done that. And to those of you thinking about it, thank you in advance. I really appreciate it. It means an awful lot to me. So without any further ado, let's go ahead and bring in Tyler Basu. Tyler, thank you so much for being on the show today. Really excited to have you on. It's a pleasure to be here, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Well, as we were talking about in the intro and then before we hit record, I'm really excited to dig into your story and kind of the progression that you've seen because you've 
had a lot of really cool experiences here. But before we get there, let's build that context and let's back up and talk about where your journey really began. Sure. Well, I'm from Vancouver, Canada, raised in kind of the rougher part of town. Not a lot of money and most of my friends didn't graduate high school. I was like the one of the last remaining people in my group of friends that made it to grade 12. But I knew I wanted to get into business. Like I looked at the options of all these people who had, you know, career paths laid out. They were on their way to go be engineers or accountants or whatever. And I just looked at that time frame and price tag of going to college and going to university. It's like, no, nah, that doesn't really does not doesn't really look like it's gonna work for me. So um I started working like pretty early, like pretty much out of school I was working. Uh I tried going to college for business management lasted about two semesters before I was like, no, nah, I got to just go make some money. So I've been working in different industries from like 17, 18 onwards, picked up a book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. And that was mm-hmm. what set me down this path of wanting to be an entrepreneur. Uh, problem was I sucked. Like I didn't have any of the skills <laughs> that you're supposed to have in business, especially sales. So <laughs> my first priority at like age 19 or 20 was to learn how to sell. Um, and I spent a year in a network marketing business, a financial planning business, and I couldn't even get one client. I was like, okay, this is a problem. Um, so I did door-to-door sales uh, six days a week for 18 months commission, 100% commission, uh, worked in Vancouver, but also over on the East coast, Toronto and Ottawa, uh, and then came back and then got into real estate. And so it's just been this natural progression of me, like tackling certain skill sets, saying yes to whatever opportunity was in front of me. And it wasn't until I was about 25 years old that I got my groove in the content creation and online marketing world and jumped into that full time. So any part of that journey, I'm happy to dive into, man. You called it like a cool, you know, a cool path. But for me, it was like so much trial and error. Yeah. Being broke for a long time, not like trying to just try stuff and see if it works. Uh, and before getting some momentum. So, yeah. Man, I totally, I, gosh, I can't tell you how much I resonate with that. You and I certainly had different paths when you look at it on the surface, but you know, that whole like just trial and error being broke for a long time. Like I totally resonate with that as a being an athlete for so long. And just, I like you uh, tried to learn sales through some door to door and some other jobs so I could support my athletic career. Um, But it was definitely a challenge and a struggle. Um, One thing I'm struck by that I think is worth talking about real quick is, you know, you had this vision pretty early on, you know, 17, 18 years old, you're going and checking out university. It's not for you. And then you're like, Hey, I got to go learn some skills, specifically sales. Like where did that idea come to you? Cause it sounds like it wasn't instilled in you as at an early age, like go be a business person, learn sales. Like you figured this out for yourself basically. So like, where did that come from? There weren't really any entrepreneurs in my life um, that I was able to learn from like directly. Mm-hmm. So my mentors, I guess, in an indirect sense, were all of the books I was reading, um, all the started going to seminars, you know, the personal development stuff that I was doing. Uh, and I think it might have actually been because of Robert Kiyosaki and his book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, or it could have been one of his other books because I've read every single one of them. Um, but he told the story of how when he got back from the army and 
made a transition to going into business, the first thing he did was learn how to sell. He worked for Xerox because they had really good sales training. So I said, okay, why don't I start there? Mm -hmm. Um, It's something I can get good at. There's no barrier to entry. You don't need, they'll hire you. As long as you got a pulse, they'll hire you and they'll train you if you're willing to do it and uh, (laughs) and see where it takes me. And so, yeah, it was doing door-to-door sales that I started to make enough to at least be able to move out. So at 20 years old, I moved out of my parents, uh, got engaged shortly after that, um, and then saved up a bit of money for our wedding. And then I did end up going to school, uh, but specifically for real estate so that I could go be a realtor and sell houses instead of knocking on doors and selling TV, internet, and home phone stuff. Um, I ended up selling real estate at age 23, yeah. working for developers, uh, selling new, new townhomes and new condos. And it was while I was working as a realtor that I started creating content just as a hobby. Started my first blog, started my first podcast, uh, did a couple of eBooks on Amazon, made a little bit of money off of those. But that's how I got introduced to this world of creating content and building online businesses. And then by 2015, uh, and this was also just before my son was born, I was like, okay, I think I'm good enough at this content stuff where I could, uh, I can make a transition here and, and just focus on this. And so I left real estate, jumped into online marketing full-time, create, like launched another podcast, created a digital magazine, created my first online course, started to get into the whole info product and coaching world, um, which led to working for a startup as their content manager. And then from there, starting my own agency, helping other businesses with their content. So it's been very gradual, man. It's been like, initially, I was just out there working, selling so I could move out and pay my bills. And then once I had like some stability in my life, I added into my calendar, like time for learning how to do this online marketing stuff, plugged away at it for a few years, just on the side and then made the transition when I felt like, okay, I'm actually, Mm -hmm. I've learned enough about this that I can charge, I can go and get clients, I can get jobs in this area. And uh, and that's when I was like comfortable making the leap from leaving that sales world, leaving real estate, leaving it all behind and just jumping like headfirst into building online businesses using content marketing. When you did this, I imagine that was a relatively new thing. Like as a content marketing is a concept, let alone a marketing strategy was, was certainly budding and like podcasting and blogging it. People were Mm -hmm. sort of figuring it out, but kind of not really. And there's probably like 20,000 podcasts total when you started. Now there's however many hundreds of thousands. So how did you find your way into that specifically? Because it sounded like you just started doing it for your real estate business and for your personal brand in the beginning, and then you just mm-hmm. got a competency and took that ride. Yeah, the reason why I got into it, like the first steps I took in this world of content creation was interviewing people. This was before I even knew what a podcast was. The first like 30 interviews I did, all I had was a blog, a microphone, Skype, and I was literally putting these audio recordings into these blog posts on WordPress, not knowing what a podcast was. And then by like interview number 30, somebody said to me, hey, do you know what podcasts are? Because what you're doing is like supposed to be a podcast and people listen to podcasts if they want to listen to interviews. So again, trial and error. But it started because I was, when I was going to school for real estate, it was a two-year program. The first year was like generic marketing courses. Second year, you pick a specialty. And the choices were real estate, entrepreneurship, sales, 
and tourism. And I couldn't decide between real estate and entrepreneurship. I was so torn. But the instructor for real estate had a really, really good reputation. So I, like, I wanted to learn from him like as a person, but I was still interested in the content that the entrepreneurship students were getting. So my solution to that problem was take the real estate program, but start a blog so I could interview entrepreneurs and I'd get some content that way. You know, so that very first podcast or what ended up becoming a podcast was a blog called Chatting with Champions that was started when I was still going to school for real estate. And then I just kept it up from the moment I started working as a realtor. I still was doing the interviews with all these random entrepreneurs until I learned enough about all these different business models and other opportunities that I realized, okay, I actually want to go in that direction now. I don't want to keep working as a realtor. I'm really fascinated by that because that the opening of the show that we have similarities and that is definitely one of them because this podcast, like I'm in real estate, that's my main business, but my podcast is not real estate specific as everyone listening knows. Right. And it's interesting how when you just pursue a topic that you're, you're passionate about, whether it's in your field or it's not, mm-hmm. you can make these interesting connections and find yourself in a place that's totally different than you expected to be in. And you are, several steps ahead of me on the content side of it for sure, but definitely a direction where it could go if you just kick it off and start. For sure. And looking back, it's easy to see the progression, but in the moment I couldn't see very far ahead. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't know what it was going to lead to. I just enjoyed it and just did it because I, because I liked it and I was learning stuff and I was meeting people. Yeah. And that in and of itself, I think is, is reason enough to start, a platform. And I just taught a social media in the COVID era to my brokerage. They asked me because I'm apparently a guru in my office on social media and mm-hmm. podcasts and stuff. Go figure. But um, but I was just like, you know, like the, the thing is, is like build a platform. And even if your platform is a Facebook live every, every Friday that talks about a real estate tip for five minutes or a house that you thought was a really good deal, like do a platform uh-huh, uh-huh. and think of it as that as opposed to you're just constantly forcing to post. And and then when you build that platform, whether it's podcasting or whatever, a YouTube channel, you know, a, a blog, you can then leverage that into relationships like what we're doing right now. And yeah, that's what was taught to me. And that's what I tell people when they ask is, is that concept. Now, um, you know, when you started, it was certainly a different space. We joked that there were maybe only 20,000 podcasts in the whole world. Now there's hundreds and hundreds of thousands. And so the space is a little bit different than it was then is, and there's maybe more competition and there's, you know, more people saying stuff about your niche or maybe, you know, just generally more competition. Like when you talk to someone who's considering starting a platform or just getting into content marketing in general, like how do you advise them to get over that initial hurdle, which is just simply getting started. The strategy that I would give someone would depend on what the goal is. Um, If they already have a business, like if they have a product or a service that people are already buying from them, they have a way of making, of generating revenue. uh, Then the strategy becomes, okay, how can we get more leads and uh, into your sales process? And how can we get more attention 
that converts into leads. So I would start, you might have heard the term the marketers use, like the, the stages of the funnel, the top of the funnel, middle of the funnel, and bottom of the funnel. So bottom of the funnel is closest to the money. That's your sales process. Middle of the funnel is you're getting leads from potential customers or clients. Top of the funnel is you're driving awareness for your business with free content, like blogs, podcasts, YouTube, etc. So if I'm talking to an entrepreneur and they have a product or service, they just need more sales. Okay, I'm going to start at the bottom of the funnel with them. Let's figure out how we can fill your sales pipeline. Let's figure out what kind of content you should create that will generate leads for your pipeline. And once that's dialed, now we go and create content for building an audience that converts into leads. But if the person I'm talking to doesn't have a business model yet, um, and they're willing to spend some time building their audience to just figure out who they actually like working with, who they actually like serving and what those people want, um, then sure, go ahead, start at the top of the funnel, start a podcast, start a YouTube channel, start a blog, build your audience, learn about your audience, survey your audience, figure out how you can help them. And maybe even before you create your own products and services, you just refer them to somebody else that already has got a product or service and get your referral fee or your affiliate commission. That's the path to uh, kind of becoming known to a specific market or industry before you really know how you're going to monetize that. Um, so if someone's willing to play that game and build audience first before business model, then, you know, that's cool. I did that, you know, so I got attention for myself before I had anything to sell that audience and I didn't make any money, but that wasn't really the goal at the time. Um, in 2019 was when I left my job as content manager for a startup and I did it to start an agency, uh, a content marketing agency. You would think that the first thing I would go and do is create content, but it wasn't. Um, even though like I'd been doing it for years, like could have easily prioritized that. I had to think of myself as a business owner first, content creator second. As a brand new business owner, what do I focus on? Generating revenue. What's the fastest path to generating revenue? Getting on the phone with potential clients. So I started at the bottom of my funnel. I was doing free consultations, figuring out how to structure my offer, how to structure my pricing, how to send proposals, how to provide a service. Once I had that dialed, okay, now I started creating some resources to generate leads that would become the free consultations. Once I have a bunch of resources created, I've got my middle of my funnel ready to go. Now I attack the top of the funnel and create more free content to drive awareness. So, and that process took almost a year. Like 2019, I didn't put out a lot of content, man. I wanted to, really, really wanted to, but I kind of had to put it on pause because I was just behind the scenes working on operations, yeah. uh, closing deals, serving clients, building a fulfillment team to help serve those clients. And now that that stuff is there, the real business is in place. This year, I get to attack the top of my funnel and start podcasts uh, and do more blogging and go do interviews with guys like you and like generally just drive awareness because the, the middle and the bottom of the funnel already exists. I love the way you broke that down because everyone's heard the funnel analogy, but I like the way that you talked about the different stages of it. Cause I agree at the beginning, like you have to drive revenue and content marketing, starting a podcast, a YouTube channel, a blog is a long-term mm-hmm. lead generating strategy, six months, 12, 18, 24 months, you know, at least in that kind of time frame before it really starts yielding. 
and you got to pour into it for at least that amount of time regularly for it to be successful, right? Right. And the mistake I made was pouring into that before I had a business model and before I had like a way to collect money and real clients. But now that I have that, technically it's the revenue that I collect from clients that is now paying for my marketing. Mm -hmm. So I'm not out of pocket on this stuff. It's a percentage of my revenue now that gets allocated to content creation and ads and all this long game stuff. Um, But went back when this was a hobby and I didn't consider myself an entrepreneur. I was like, you know, side hustle content creator at best. It was my own time and resources paying to create that content. And I didn't have a way to convert that audience into customers. So I never got like a financial return on investment. What I did was get like a crash course in uh, entrepreneurship, in digital marketing, and in building a network. And just all of that stuff that was required, you know, it was required to get where I am. I had like, I don't know of a shortcut. You still have to learn your industry. You still have to build relationships. There's no shortcut to that. But knowing what I know now, um, I learned that if the goal is to be an entrepreneur, then you have to do what an entrepreneur is supposed to do based on their specific stage in business rather than just rush to create content because you feel like that's what you should do. Like have the strategy first before you just tackle creating content. Yeah. One of my podcasting and business mentors, Travis Chappell, talks about doing what doesn't scale, especially in the beginning. Mm -hmm. Like you said, getting on the phone with your ideal client or the people who are uh, either on your list or engaging with you and just and trying to sell them one at a time, or at least identify what you could create to then sell to them or solve a problem for them. Um, And that obviously doesn't scale at a certain point. Like you only have so many hours in a day. Uh, And then you have to go service these people and get them the results. But if you do it in the beginning, bottom of the funnel, you can then start to stack the other stuff on top of it once you understand their problems and how you best solve them. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, For sure. So thank you for rounding that out for us, man. Appreciate that. Um, as far as 2020, like we're in the COVID era, it's May 8th now today when we're recording this. Um, what have you seen in the content space change drastically in COVID era? Because I, I mean, one thing I've heard is ad spend is becoming as affordable as it ever has been. And there's been 80,000 new podcasts launched and that sort of thing. Like it's kind of a different landscape, right? So like, what are, what are you seeing out there that you think is important <laughs> yeah. for someone who's just starting to know? Yeah. The divide is, is big, like between those who are doing well and those who are really struggling right now, it's a very clear divide because there are millions of businesses that basically closed you know, their physical locations, especially that customers can't come there. Right. So there's businesses that have to stop selling and because they're not selling, they're also not spending money on marketing because they can't sell the thing that they have. Um, and then you've got people who, uh, have something people are buying right now, you know, online courses, software, stuff like that, where, you know, the sales are like, are growing. And so they have the marketing budget. So what that has done to the cost of attention, like on platforms like Facebook, Instagram, et cetera, is half the competitors are gone. Half the advertisers are gone because they got no ad budget right now. And there's twice as many people on social media right now. Mm. So like the amount of eyeballs that are, you know, people hanging out at home, they're in between jobs, they're laid off and they're spending time on social media. 
there's more people to reach now on social and there's less advertisers competing to reach them. So yeah, you're absolutely right. And what you heard is true that the cost of ads have come down. I've seen like the cost to get leads drop to like a couple bucks, even less than a, a dollar. In some cases, the cost to get somebody to sign up for a webinar is like three, four times cheaper than what I saw a couple of years ago. Um, so if you have something that people are buying right now, it's a really good time to up your ad budget, invest in growing your audience, build a warm audience, even if they're not buying right this second, because as soon as things pick up again, if you use this time right now to build a bigger list, build a bigger audience, uh, when more people start buying again, um, you're going to start getting your return on investment real fast because you, you were willing to spend some money up front to get yourself in front of more people now while it's cheap, while it's cheap to get their attention and then follow up with them and nurture with uh, them until they're ready to buy from you. Um, you know, when things get better and people aren't so tight with their budgets. And doing that through content you put out and building value through that stuff is, um, I'm imagining what you think is probably the way to go, but generally it's like building a relationship in some way, build it. Like you said, trust, they got to trust you. And through the internet, that's a different experience than if you're face to face. So you've got to tackle that thing a little differently. Yeah. I heard it put really well by, um, who was it? I was at an event in San Diego last fall. It might've been Randy Zuckerberg, mm -hmm. Mark Zuckerberg's sister. She no longer works for Facebook, but she's the one that created Facebook live. Mm -hmm. And she talked about, you know, when you go to a conference in person and you're, you, you sit in there and you watch the speaker, you know, they've got your attention for about an hour, you know, 30 minutes to an hour that they've got your attention. And that model of, you know, you seeing a speaker for the first time and in many cases they pitch something at the end of their talk and people buy it. The reason it works is because in one hour you can figure out if you like them and if you trust them and if you want to buy their thing. Mm -hmm. You know, like that's plenty of time to build up the like and the trust and to convert somebody that's in the audience into a client. Um, that model has always worked. It probably it won't go away. Like speaking it uh, to a crowd works. It's a great model. Um, what she compared that to was having an hour of somebody's attention on the internet, it doesn't always happen in that one chunk of an hour, that hour of somebody's attention that you get before they like you and they trust you enough to buy from you, that hour that it could take could be chopped up into like 20 or 30 or 40 touch points where they're seeing posts on social. They're seeing, they watch a one minute video or a two minute video or a short podcast, or they see your ad or they read an email and it's just like all these micro touch points that maybe it takes three months before they buy from you, but really it just took you three months to get an hour's worth of their attention and it was just chopped up into all these little micro touch points. Um, that was an interesting way to present that concept to me because what I realized is that like that's what content does, you know, yeah. we might not always get an hour of somebody's attention, but we get it in little chunks and in little moments spread over time. Um, and that's exactly why it can take a few months to convert, you know, somebody that follows you on social into a lead and then into a buyer because they need the touch point. We, you and I both learned this in sales, right? Of how many follow-ups it takes mm -hmm. to get a sale. So all of these touch points and pieces of content are kind of forms of follow-up, right? Mm -hmm. 
um, but they can be spread over several weeks, several months in some cases. Yeah, and sometimes possibly longer, which is why that strategy takes so much longer to actually yield fruit. But once it gets going, mm-hmm. it's just like the bicycle wheel. You just kind of keep tapping it along, just keep going, keep going, keep going, because you're adding people at the beginning. Yep. And then the people who were at the beginning are now getting towards the end of their hour with you. Yep. Yeah, I was talking to someone this morning, um, this guy named Ross. He's a copywriter. And uh, he just launched an online course and sold just through email. Like people, they get his free book and then he's got these email follow-ups that get them to buy his course. And he understands this game like of how long it can take to convert someone into a customer. So he has three months worth of emails like pre-written, you know, scheduled to go out so that he knows that from the moment he gets a lead, that person's getting nurtured for the next three months without him having to lift a finger or think about it. Um, but he's already pulling in customers like right off the bat. I think it was 1% was the number he shared with me. So he's, you know, of these brand new leads that he just got from his, his new campaign, his new ads, bringing in leads. He's already converting 1% of them into buyers today, but he knows he has three months worth of emails that are going to go to work on, on, on helping to convert those people down the road. So he's already profitable up front, but he's playing the long game as well, um, knowing that most people don't buy immediately from you. Most people need to be nurtured uh, and followed up with. Yeah, absolutely. I think when I was cold calling for real estate leads, when I was first, first starting and same thing in solar, I was thinking, you know, you needed to get to at least six attempts with somebody, six contacts with somebody. And Mm -hmm. that could be leaving Mm -hmm. a voicemail, sending a text message, obviously getting them on the phone before I'd get to like an 80% chance of doing something with them. And and sometimes it was as many as 12 contacts, but most salespeople, I think Grant Grant Cardone has tons of really cool uh, like infographics all over the internet about this and think what you want about his recent antics. But it's like the majority, like third of salespeople never make more, never make a phone call. Another 20% never make the second phone call and another 20% after that drop off. So by the time you're at the third or fourth phone call, you're one of maybe, you know, 10 original people who called that person. And if it takes at least five touch points, like if you just follow up and stay consistent and build that value. And again, it's, you're trying not to be a jerk about it and be annoying, but building that value, um, you have a really high probability of turning that person into a client. Yeah, for sure. I've got a client that does um, outsourced uh, sales. Like they do out like outbound lead generation campaigns for other businesses. And he, uh-huh. he shared a stat with me that in B2B specifically, uh, 80% of, of sales come after the eighth touch point. Wow. So if you're like your touch point zero to seven, you're only getting like 20% of the sales that get closed in that market. It's the guy that follows up eight times or more that gets the rest of the deals. So speaking of like the follow up and like building a relationship with people and just kind of working your funnel, you know, let's mm-hmm. take this down to a basic level. Cause there's people who are listening to this who are like, all right, Hans, Tyler, like I hear you, but like, I'm a real estate agent. I'm just a solopreneur. I'm an accountant. I'm just someone who's starting off. Um, I've got my small practice and I just like handle the work that comes in when it comes in. Like, how am I supposed to like build this massive funnel, build the relationships over three, six, 12 months with people online with content? Like, where do I even start with that? What would you say to those people? Um, 
the first thing you want to get very, very clear on is who do you actually want to attract with the content that you put out there? So you got to think through, don't, don't like just put out content because you think it's helpful or valuable or whatever, and then see who it attracts. Like start with the end in mind and ask yourself, who is my favorite kind of person to work with? What's the best client that I can get for my product or service that I have? Uh, and then answer that question, like even go as far as creating kind of a persona of a profile of who that person is. What are the demographics? What do they live? How much do they make? All that stuff. Um, what questions do they have about your area of expertise? Let's say you're a mortgage broker, right? What questions do people have about cleaning up their credit, about getting pre-approved, what about understanding interest rates and the terms and the amortization period, all that stuff. Like you got to think through what are all the things a potential, a potential client needs to be educated on um, so that you can work with them successfully. And then you start answering those questions in your content. And then now what that's going to do is it's going to get the attention of the person who's a potential client for you. And it's also going to repel the people who aren't even thinking about mortgages right now, whatever it is that your thing is. Mm -hmm. So you, you kind of want to become um, not just the person that can educate the specific market that you're like trying to attract, but also tap into like the motivations that they got. Like what are the frustrations they're dealing with? What's the goal they're trying to accomplish? Talk about that stuff too. Cause that's how you get their attention. You have to like show people that you understand why it is that they're trying to accomplish a certain goal or, you know, overcome a certain problem. Like you got to tap into what's motivating them and then they'll give you their attention. Um, and then as far as planning out your content, like I would start with, just start with picking like one or two platforms that you know your audience is on. Okay. If you have no evidence that your potential clients are spending time on TikTok, don't go on TikTok. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, and don't, you, cause you don't, you don't yeah. have to be everywhere. Yep. You definitely don't have to be everywhere. So just pick one or two places that you know for sure my market hangs out here. Maybe it's Facebook, maybe it's LinkedIn. Maybe it's uh, Instagram. Um, and then just show up consistently. Show up consistently. Uh, you know, share information that's helpful and invite people to take a next step. Like your call to action, your content should always have a call to action. Give people a next step. So if you want to go on Facebook Live, that's cool. But make sure they know you got this free checklist or this free assessment that they can take that turns them into a lead. Uh, if you want to, you know, share a story on Facebook. That's cool. But make sure you tell people to send you a message. If they got a question, like don't just put it out there and mm -hmm. hope that people know what the next step you want them to take is every piece of content that you should put out there should serve a very specific goal of it's, you know, it's getting people to reach out to you. It's getting them download a free thing. It's getting them to join your group or visit your website or book a call, whatever the case is, but talk about stuff that's relevant to the market you want to reach do it consistently on the platforms that they actually spend time on and always give them a next step. Um, and, and, you know, anyone can do this stuff. Like the first six months of, uh, of me running the agency, all my clients came just through social media, organic, and word of mouth. I didn't put a single blog post on the site yet. No podcast, no blog post, no YouTube, nothing. Just straight social media, organic, word of mouth. Um, once we had some clients, now we decide budget for content creation and we start like, actually creating some nice downloadable resources and sign up pages and automated emails and all the fancy stuff. But if you're just getting started, you don't need the fancy funnels yet, man. You just got to keep it simple.
like share content that attracts the right people, mm -hmm. uh, do it where they're actually hanging out online and give them a next state, a way to engage with you, give them a next step to take that, that, um, you know, gives them a way to raise their hand and say, yeah, I'm, I, I think I want to work with you. We're getting to the end of the time and I want to transition us to the last section of the show. But before we do that, I got one more question for you. Sure. Um, with that call to action that you're talking about, that next step, like, is there a level at which there's too much, like download my thing, follow me, you know, contact me, send me a DM, whatever it is like, or is it just like always have some kind of call to action um, as opposed to like put something out there, let it, marinate without a call to action and then every like third or fourth one have like a really specific call. Like what's your opinion on that? Um, I would go like, like 80, 20 rule. Like if you're, let's say you're showing up every day on social, you're doing, let's say one post a day. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, as a quick pulse check, I would aim to have about 80% of your posts where the goal is just straight add value, get engagement, add value, get engagement. 20%, I got something to plug. And whether you're plugging, you know, a free resource you just created, your latest podcast episode, um, a webinar, uh, or, you know, book a call. Because then, then you're, not, you're not seen as the guy that only ever promotes. Mm -hmm. I think it's a good, you know, 80% adding value with no specific promotion, uh, you know, other than just, hey, engage with my stuff. Like if you got a question or whatever, leave a comment, send me a message. That's a very soft call to action. But a hard call to action, a visit this page, download this thing, book a call, uh, do that maybe about 20% of the time. That's really, really great way to think of it. Well, Tyler, thank you for that. Um, and with that, I'm going to transition us into the last round of the show called the Focus 5, which is the same five questions I ask every guest on every show. Are you ready? Yeah, let's do it. First question, what book have you gifted most often? Have I gifted? Ooh, uh, might have been uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People mm -hmm. and Built to Sell. Uh, Built to Sell is the one I've sent to um, more like entrepreneur type of contacts. If you could get an hour of somebody's time, past or present, live or dead, and ask as many questions as you wanted, who would that person be and why? Hmm. Uh, maybe Will Smith. That's a first. Yeah. Yeah. I like Will Smith. Uh, dude's got a, like a solid work ethic and you know, he still holds it down with having his family. So I respect that, you know, uh, totally. So yeah. And an hour with him would be cool. Right on. Share with us one thing that you believe most people would disagree with you on. Um, but you need a funnel. <laughs> <laughs> you need a funnel. I love it. You need a funnel. You know, there's a point where they have, you know, where they're valuable to have, but it's not something everybody needs from day one. That's what I would disagree with. Okay. Got it. And, um, give us a glimpse of your morning routine. How do you start your day? Um, I got a one-year-old and a four-year-old, so I'm usually, I'm woken up by the one-year-old. And then uh, usually about 30, 60 minutes later, my son wakes up. He's the four-year-old. And so morning is uh, like family time, making them breakfast. Uh, you know, we all have breakfast together and bef before I go off and get to work. 
Tyler, thank you so much for sharing everything that you've uh, talked about today. What is the best place that we can connect with you online? Um, so if you search for Tyler Basu on social, I, I'm, I'm the only guy with this name. So you can, you can find me pretty easily on social media. Uh, and if you're interested in learning content marketing and content strategy, I have like free training and resources that you can grab uh, from influenceandscale.com slash resources. So we'll link to all of that down in the show notes, guys. So you can check it out, click the links and head over there and check out uh, what content he's got up there for free. And then obviously some of the paid stuff too, if you want to take it to the next level. Um, Again, Tyler, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it uh, with all the value you've brought and the insights. Uh, Thank you for sharing with us and have a good rest of your day. Appreciate it, man. This was fun. Thanks for having me. And that's a wrap for today. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. If you want to go get connected with Tyler and learn about what he's got going on, uh, down in the show notes is the place to do that. I've got all his social handles as well as his website. uh, So you can check him out anywhere you want. He's got a ton of free stuff that can really help you uh, get started with your content marketing strategy. And obviously, if you want to take it a little deeper, uh, I'm sure he would talk to you about what that engagement would look like as well. And if you want to connect with me, I'm down in the show notes as well with all of my social stuff and my Calendly link. So if you want to get connected, have a 15-minute phone call, get to know each other a little better and just see how we can continue to provide value for one another. I would love to do that. Thank you to those of you who have already and uh, looking forward to connecting with some more of you here in the near future. So without any further ado, let's sign it off. This is Hans Strazina, host of Another Way to Play. And remember to make every chapter better than the last. Thanks for joining in for this episode of Another Way to Play, making the next chapter of your life better than your last. For more insights and inspiration to help you make that personal leap, be sure to engage with Hans on social media and get your questions answered right here on the show. Reach out to Hans at Chief SNAH on Instagram, and we'll catch you on the next episode of Another Way to Play. Thank you.